great new lectern now. We can fit a Bible and your notes on it at the same time. Shall we pray? Father, just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we have this wonderful privilege just to be able to come and worship you in this place. We thank you, Lord, for those that serve here so faithfully. We thank you for those that enable us to be able to worship in this way. We just pray, Lord, as that, as that song just said, Lord, our desire is this morning that we would be in your presence, that we would sit at your feet, that we would learn from you. So I just thank you, and as we open up the word, Lord, would you enable that for the name and in the name and for the glory of your son Jesus, our saviour. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read, it's, it's, no, it's only a few, few verses, but I'm going to read Psalm 27. If you want to follow along, it'll either be on the screen or if you've got a Bible, it's page 557. Psalm 27 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. I don't know if you ever read scripture and sometimes you might feel a little bit um, intimidated by some of the way people talk. And David is particularly good at this. He says some things that you kind of think, whoa, you're kind of on a different level than I am, you know? 
Um, I don't know. I was trying to think of a. I was trying to think of a um, a, a good illustration of this. Has anyone ever, anyone here, ever met anyone famous, excluding me, obviously? <laughs> Francis, you've met someone famous. Have you ever had that thing where, before you meet someone, you think you get a little bit nervous? You think, I wonder if they're going to be like just too awesome. And when I read this psalm, I kind of look at David and I think some of these things he is, he's saying, just, just summarise, I'll just summarise what he said. He said, he fears no one, he's not afraid even when all are against him, he's confident even in the face of war, he's confident that he will be high upon a rock and his head exalted when he sings and makes music to the Lord. Now I don't know about you, but that does not describe my typical day. My typical day is, oh God, please help me. I need you. I feel like a worm. So it's easy to kind of think, is David just a kind of a big head? Is he just someone who's just arrogant? Is he someone who just thinks he's all of that. Now, many of you will know I'm, I'm from New Zealand. I was going to say I'm a Kiwi, but a Kiwi is a short, fat thing that can't fly. <laughs> all right, two out of three ain't bad. Okay, just... And in New Zealand, we're, we, we don't really kind of do this whole look-at-me type thing. Yeah, we're quite, we're quite kind of... Um, reserved. And when I read David, I think he's standing there, he's going, my foes are nothing before me. My head will be exalted. And I kind of think, David, have you got this right? And when we look deeper, we realize that it's not that David is arrogant, it's that David's confident. And there's a big difference. Now, remember, this is the same guy, this is the same David, who when he was tending the flock and in the middle of the night, when a predator came, he dealt with it. This is the same David who said, no, I don't need the king's armor. Just give me some string and a couple of rocks, and we'll go and sort out the giant that's facing us down. This is that guy. Now, if we were kind of bring it into the, um, if you like, in today's language, we might talk about someone's intelligence or education or the fact they've got a, um, a degree or a master's of divinity or something. We might talk about the fact that they know so much more about the Bible, they're so read. We might talk about the fact that they're a scientist, they understand all of these things, supposedly. We might even 
see the world lift them high and exalt them because they're wealthy. Now, obviously, being English, I'm I'm an honorary English person, being English, English, we'd do that very tastefully. Right? You see, there are lots of things that the world places an importance on. Yet David says to us, and he shows us, that his confidence not, doesn't come from his own ability or his own position. It comes from who he is in the Lord. That's where he gets his confidence. Now, some of you will know I like to, I've got all these principles that I try and, you know, keep in my head because it helps me to remember scripture. But this principle is what I call the I've got this principle. Right? I've got this. Have you ever heard anyone say, I've got this? Yeah? Someone says to you, I've got this. Well, I call this the I've got this principle. You can imagine it, can't you? Abraham, God says, as the stars in the universe, I will make you father of nations. And Abraham's going, I don't know whether you're aware, Lord, but my wife and I, kids, and God says, I've got this. Or Moses. You can imagine Moses standing before God saying, um, Pharaoh, just want to have a quick talk about Pharaoh. I've heard that he's not a particularly nice, nasty person nice person. Now we know that because we've seen the movie, but he had only heard rumours. And God says, Moses, I've got this. Joshua, um, walls, armies, God says, I've got, can can you see this? Throughout scripture, it's a continuing story of God saying to someone, Be this. Be who I am calling you to be. And the people who God says be this go, "Um, are you aware of all of this? And God says, I've got this. So David now sits in this position where he goes, do you know what? If all the world is against me, God says to me, I've got this. By the time we get to the New Testament, it's kind of, there's a slightly, um, I really love the way it's put in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's basically, if I live or if I die, God's got this. Even death cannot detract from God working out what he has planned and promised. Isn't that amazing? And of course, there's a whole chapter in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, that is just full of men and women and these examples where these people trusted God. 
They said, God, we know you're so we know you're in control. We know you've got this. Now, I know you've I know you know this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. When the Lord says, I've got this, he's telling us that nothing is beyond his gaze. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too complicated. Nothing is insignificant. Whatever it is you and I face, God says, I've got this. He may not answer as you want him to answer. Yeah? I've spent um, various times in my life, I've spent too much time giving God the solution to my problem. Have you? You've probably never done that. Right? I've spent too much time giving God the solution to my problem. He says, Craig, I've got this. And don't even get me started on when his solution is not mine. And we have a talk. And God says, I've got this. God is saying to all of us, trust me. Trust me. Trust me with who you are. Trust me with your future. Trust me with your fears and your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations. Trust me. There's a, we should acknowledge that there's a byproduct to doing the opposite, isn't it? There is a byproduct that is present, that will be present in our life if we don't trust God. And that will be anxiety and fear and hopelessness and stress and anger and things that generally are really, really unhelpful and unhealthy in our life. And something that is something that is physically unhealthy almost always develops into something that is spiritually unhealthy. And you know me, I bang on a lot about this, but spiritual, mental, and physical health are really important. But the first two particularly, spiritually, spiritual health and mental health are so important for us. I know there can be some challenges around um, physical health. That's for another time. We are faced with the challenges and the problems that we have, and honestly, they're probably too high, they're too deep, they're too wide for us to cope with, for us to handle. And very often, we scramble around trying to find answers. And God's just saying, I've got this. Trust me. Just trust me. 
the God who created the heavens and the earth, who placed the stars in the sky, who created everything that exists. And I go, God, are you sure? I think it needs to be this. He goes, trust me. One thing I will say is that trusting God is not dependent on your situation. Yeah. Um, I suppose suppose the way to think about this is it's when everything's going well, it's easy to trust God. But when everything's falling apart, it can be more of a challenge. Or actually, maybe the opposite is true. When everything's falling apart, we cry out to God. Suddenly, I remember his number. But when everything's going well, he's in my rear vision mirror. He's still there, but I'm not really looking at him. I'm looking where I want to go. The practicality of trusting God and, and actually, if you want to see it, just, just read just the first verse of that Psalm 27. David says three things. He says, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. You see, so it's like the premise, it's the foundation that the rest of everything that David's saying is going to be built upon. God is my light, he's my salvation, and he's my stronghold. Therefore, because he's those things to me, what is the world going to do to me? Honestly, what are they going to do? What is going to be effective to stop God and his purposes coming about? But there's some other things. That, that I think David gets this. He gets this kind of um, practicality of trusting God. And it means he acknowledges some other things. Let's just have a quick look as we jump through this. Verse 6. David acknowledges that he must worship God in all situations, joyfully, singing and with music. I, I get it, okay? Um, if you're anything like me, there are going to be situations where you find it hard. There are going to be situations where you find it challenging. There are going to be situations where, honestly, it's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel, the wood for the trees, whatever, you know, everything you want to use. But one of the keys to David understanding this was that the joy that he had was the joy of his salvation. Yeah? It wasn't the joy of his circumstance. And that's really important for us to understand. Don't look to your circumstances as the source of your joy. Because let's face it, some of us at times are in circumstances that are horrible. Look to the joy of your salvation. 
Verse 7, he acknowledges that he must call upon the Lord. We should develop a healthy relationship in prayer where it comes to calling upon the Lord. I want to encourage, I know we do some things corporately. I want to encourage you to be part of those, but also individually. You know, God, God wants to hear your voice. He's the one that created it. He wants to hear it. And uh, there are times where I pray and, uh, do you know what, sometimes I think it makes no sense. But he says, I've got this. Verse 8, that we should seek his face. How do you seek God's face? Reading his word. Spending time in his presence. I've, I, um, every morning I go for a walk. And um, I try and go for a walk before anyone else is about, because I don't really like people that much, but. That's another thing I'm working through. It. No, I, I, I go for a walk before there's lots of cars around because you hear things that you never hear. You hear like birds waking up and stuff like that. And it's like I hear God's voice because creation is singing to him, isn't it? And even though we might try and drown it out, the world tries to drown it out, there's still that voice. It's a wonderful thing, and it's important that we do it, and David recognised that it was important that we did it. Verse 11, you will love verse 11, I love verse 11. Do you love verse 11? We should be accepting of the Lord's correction and teaching. I'm always reminded um, in the book of Job. Now, there's someone who really did not have that many reasons to be joyful, wasn't it? And in the book of Job, there's that little bit where, um, where his three friends of friends have come along and helped, and he's like, what on earth's going on? And there's this voice, there's this bit where God says, where were you? Where were you? I mean, that's like, you imagine God saying, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? God is able. Verse 14. We need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Now, I know this is, uh, what's this called? The summer psalms. So is summer spelt with a silent P as well? Just thinking about it, don't worry about it. Um, I would probably read to you, when in terms of waiting on the Lord, I would read, say, Isaiah 40. You know that famous passage in Isaiah 40? Do you not know? Talking to us. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Goes on to say, he will not grow tired or weary. Those who put their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. 
they will walk and not be faint. That is the byproduct of waiting on the Lord. Sometimes I have to remind myself of... Sometimes I have to say to myself, if you know all of this stuff, why don't you do it? Why do you still go into panic mode? Yeah? Why why do you do that? It's not that you don't know it, it's that you don't practice it. In this psalm, I think David's really showing us that whatever our training, whatever our ability, whatever our um, gifts, or use the word gifts in church, but whatever our abilities, there's going to come a time when we will meet a foe, when we will meet a situation, when we will encounter a problem that we cannot overcome. Now, for us, we're all going to face the ultimate foe, aren't we? Death. You can't overcome it. I can't overcome it. He overcame it. I've got this. The death, the grave, God says... I've overcome it. And because I've overcome it, you will overcome it. Isn't that, shouldn't that kind of give us a slight degree of confidence? If I really live that, not if I just stood up here and spoke about it on a Sunday, not if I read some book from the Christian bookshop that said, you know, But if I really lived that and I really believed it, what could the world do to me? Honestly, what's it going to do? The most it can do is it can take my life. But God says, I've got that. That's covered. David, I pray that the confidence that David had is the confidence that we have. That you and I are so confident in who God is that we would not fear, that we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart, that we would lean not on our own understanding, that for each of us, he would be our light and our salvation and our stronghold. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Wouldn't you love to live like that? I would love to live like that, I don't. But I'd love to live like that, and I know I should live like that. And you know what? God wants us all to live like that. And that's why he tells us. And that's why Psalm 27 exists. 
for us to see. It doesn't matter whether your heart has been bruised, whether you've been abandoned, or your life seems broken. God has got it. And we just need to trust him. Shall we pray?